After I saw Todd Sparrow, something deep inside me began to change. It was not a big change, and I didn't shave my head, and I didn't really think any differently about my life or hillside or anything like that. But one glimpse of Todd and you immediately realized how limited you were and all the things you could do if you could just break out of your normal existence and stop worrying about what everyone thought. That's probably what happened to Sybil. She felt that freedom and she didn't know what to do with it, but she had to do something. So she shaved her head. That was my theory. Sybil wouldn't really discuss it. And we were having frozen yogurt at Sunset Mall one day and I was jabbering about Todd and life beyond the boundaries. And Sybil said, wait until you get out there. Then you can see how great it is which seemed sort of pretentious. But of course she had spent the whole day with him and shaved her head and what had I done? Not much. So I just ate my yogurt. I also have a quote to read. Okay. But from the film version. You know gay guys? Cool! (laughs) (laughs) I think that is actually one thing from the book. That's from the book, but that's that's also also the funniest line. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, I don't rem- She didn't shave her head in the movie, did she? She doesn't shave her head in the book either. Her friend shaves her head. Sybil sa- shaves Sybil. her head. He was That's talking the about the of the book. There's no head shaving in the film. Yeah. Tara Reid does not shave her head. Yes. <laughs> yeah. One of the many reasons they should not have cast her. So we wa- we read a book and watched a movie. I watched Uh, okay. Let's, let's, let's watch our, uh, pronouns. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We, we Jessica and I, yeah. Josh and I read, read a book and watched mm-hmm. a movie. Blake and I also watched a very fun <laughs> watched movie. an 80 minute movie. Uh, yeah. Right. Oof. Let's watch so, an IMDb TV with random ads. <laughs> All right, you ready to drop it? Dro- drop that shit. Okay. And welcome to another episode of Are You There Pod? It's me, Jessica. It's me, Josh. And Josh, what do we do on this podcast? We talk about young adult books. <laughs> and what book did no, we? No fucking around this time. We, we got lots of you we got said lots of you said we had to be done by years. ten. No joking around. Three years to cover in this podcast. We uh, talked about the uh, very perfectly titled. If you're trying to do research on something, great book, SEO girl. Yeah, the, the the SEO in this perfect. No <laughs> problem. Just type in at "girl," all. see what yeah. comes up. Yeah, yeah. "Girl" by Blake Nelson, published yes. in 1994. So we're talking peak grunge. Still peak. in it. Still in grunge, right? Well, or, you know, it was is, a year. Was it pre or post Cobain suicide? They don't address that in the in the book. So maybe it was written. It probably written pre. Probably written pre. Well, that but makes it, it is set in the Pacific Northwest. It's set like in Portland, mm-hmm. so we we still got before like before the... Portland is cool, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. before Portland is uncool again from pretend <laughs> for because everyone moved there when it was cool, right? And then they made it so uncool. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. ruined it. Yeah, just like they rich white people ruin everything. That's all I have to say. Um, yeah, so this book by Blake Nelson. It was actually serialized in Sassy Magazine. Yeah, oh, Sassy. <laughs> Weird. The purveyor of cool for teen girls in the early 90s. You know how I know my sister was not cool? She chose a subscription to Seventeen. Lame. Oh, over Sassy? She thought Sassy was stupid. 
She was stupid. Yeah, totally stupid. And I didn't get to pick. Monica did because she was an actual teenager. So I had to read Sassy at the school library. You were trying to read Sassy as a, as a preteen? I, Can you explain I the difference was to me as a boy yeah. who would uh-huh. not have, have read Sassy? I did, I did read some 17s, but the, I mostly remember that as like the quizzes and stuff. Yeah, so Sassy <laughs> was a lot more fun. Um, it was it was Jane Pratt's first magazine. She also did Jane, which was a fun magazine later um, that was for women. It wasn't for teenagers, but um, it was it was a lot more fun. The fashion was weirder. It was more into alternative culture, and so um, they would focus more on like music from the you know alternative indie punk scenes. Um, they even had like an ask a boy column that they would have guest writers like Thurston Moore or Beck would answer it's, like it's questions from teenage more girls. More of a, uh, someone for someone who shops at Gadzooks. Yeah. Instead of someone who shops at the, you know. Forever Gap 21. Or. or uh, well, well, not Forever 21. Abercrombie or whatever. I don't sure. know what the store would have been then. Hollister. I don't think Hollister <laughs> was around in the 90s. Oh, I'm just thinking of now. The Gap, think Gap, my, Gap, the, Gap, the Gap. The Buckle. My sister shopped at the Buckle. Which is okay. Well, you, your sister is even uh, less cool than the person <laughs> I'm trying to imagine here. <laughs> yeah, she always had to have lucky jeans, which were like very expensive jeans. And the big appeal was that if you unbuttoned the flyer and zipped it, it said "Lucky You" on the fly. Ah, I get it. But yeah, so and they, you know, they talked openly about things like sex and AIDS and and things like that. It was not a magazine that like talked down to teenagers. It's probably a lot like what Teen Vogue Teen is. Teen Vogue, now. yeah. Mm-hmm. So. That's what that's what Teen I Vogue serialize too. my novel about uh, young women, uh, just like just like you serialize this man's young adult novel about a young woman. Radical yeah. far left magazine Teen Vogue. Mm-hmm. I think they stopped Has printing sh- that, but uh, it's online, still. digital. Yeah, someone was attacking Teen Vogue a couple weeks. I forget which. Who, Madison Cawthorn or Ted Cruz or someone <laughs> was like the radicals. It right <laughs> did. Did Trump ever attack Teen Vogue by name? Surely. I feel like I he know. had to have at some point. I, you know, I can't remember. We need to go to search his tweets. Yeah. Oh, no. Big Tech has stolen that from us. <laughs> Great. The can tyranny. we get on? We can get on his platform now, or is that open? Trump Social? Yeah, you can sign up for it now. Oh, uh, waiting list. Yeah. The so Welcome kind of to like, Springfield um, group is, is, is on the waiting list for it. Oh, oh, yeah. So it's kind of like, a, do you remember whenever there was like a social uh, networking? It was called like Hello, not Hello, Hello. Yeah. That like turned out to be age. pure garbage, huh? Yeah. But people were like, oh, I hate Facebook. I'm going to use Hello. When you had to get like invited, you yeah. couldn't just sign up for it. So if you got invited by someone, then you got a couple of invites. And I remember those were like, people would be like, oh, my God, do you have invites? And so I would send I, invites. I totally did. And then it became a ghost mm-hmm. town within weeks. Yeah, it was basically like a ghost <laughs> No it was just it. the emptiest platform. <laughs> <laughs> I think I still have, I don't even know if it exists anymore, but for a long time I would get emails from them. And I was like, I've never, I haven't used this site in like 10 years. The thing the thing about all of these social media sites that pop up as an alternative to Facebook, an alternative to Twitter because of big tech or whatever, they you cannot just be a clone of the thing. You mm-hmm. have to off, like TikTok, offers something different. Snapchat, Snapchat offers, offers something, something different. different. You're Instagram, going to have to yeah. make something that offers something different. Otherwise, people aren't going to move over just for political reasons because you can't, you need everyone over there. 
and so mm-hmm. you're going to have to get everyone to want to use whatever your your thing is. That's why yeah. all the that's why Gab and uh, 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 all of these things keep failing. That's why we need to TikTokify Trump social, but it can't just yeah. be TikTok. But it can't just be TikTok. Yeah, yeah. you've, you've no, got to. You know what? Put Vine. Put Vine on Trump social. It it'll own the world. Wait, can do we get all the old vines back? Yes, they okay. they're all back, but now they're only on Trump Social. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. I'm excited about this. Yeah. I might sign up for it if all the old vines are back. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. Anyway, sorry. So okay, uh, shaves her head. Let's okay, start so with this, this because <laughs> here's the thing I want to say about skinheads. <laughs> wait, yeah. wait, wait, wait. Are we diving into the book right now? Yeah. What? Oh, no, you we keep thing? talking. I was talking about the writer. Okay, oh, I want, oh, put a pin in skinheads because I do want to hear that. We'll come back to skinheads. Okay. Talk about the writer. Is this a boy Blake or girl Blake? Boy Blake. Boy he, Blake. He started his career writing for details. How he dare wrote, he? He wrote pieces that documented the West Blake, Coast slacker lifestyle. This is, this is lifestyle. when men could still write for women mm-hmm. in this you, way. Or as Ann Tyler says. <laughs> did you see this? Uh-uh. What did Ann Tyler say? Ann Tyler had an interview that people were talking about the last couple of days. Uh, where she said it would be a bad idea for her to write from a the perspective of a black man, but she has the right to do it. <laughs> I mean, sure, Ann Tyler, you do. You, okay. Yeah, you yeah. can. Did anybody yeah. argue she didn't have... Well, I'm sure someone did. Anyway. Yeah, I don't know. But anyway, we, we can talk about if Blake is effective at writing for women in a second. Okay. So, well, I have some issues, but I did enjoy the book for what it is, but I do have Spoilers. issues. Spoilers. Okay, sorry. Whoa. So, it's been in print continuously for 28 years, uh, made into a movie that we talked about, and we'll make, continue to talk about this? it. They are. Uh, there are two sequels to it. There's one called Dream School that was published in 2011, and The City Once You Alone published in 2015 as a Kindle ebook only, as far <sighs> as I, I know. I always fucking hate that shit. S- yeah. 17 years later, they do a sequel. <laughs> Um, he, I mean, it's like before sunset, Blake. Yeah, he wrote. Uh, Wait, did they go seventeen between? They didn't go that long. No. Uh, when the they went about ninety three or four. Ninety, I think ninety four. Yeah, ninety three, okay. ninety four. So they went about ten, right, for each one. Yeah, maybe? yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. A ran- uh, uh, ten's nothing. Mm-hmm. Not a, it's not exact, but it's like yeah. a boyhood. Yeah. Uh, he wrote a book called Boy in twenty seventeen. <laughs> awesome. Just saying, and his novel Paranoid Park was adapted by Gus Van Sant. Yep. That I bet you would love that movie if you saw it, Jessica. <laughs> would I? I've never seen it. No, you would hate it. Okay, good. This I was is... about to say, I don't think I've liked a Gus Van Sant movie since, since, since to Jerry, die for. your favorite movie. <laughs> <laughs> Here's what I'll say about Paranoid Park. I've seen it. Don't remember it. But remember hmm. not really liking it. I mean, that sounds like most of his movies since to die for. I I guess I can wow. remember Goodwill Jerry. Hunting. Mm-hmm. That was, Finding Forrester. Oh, didn't watch Finding Forrester. <laughs> oh, I forgot about Finding Forrester. Yeah, that My one mom totally recently forgotten. messaged me and said, when's the last time you seen Finding Forrester? <laughs> Such a delight. L- last week, mom. Okay. So, the, uh, oh, no, sorry. Okay, go on. No, I was just going to start diving in because we got three years to cover and we only have, uh, you have 56 an a- minutes. You have an hour and six minutes. Hour and six minutes, sorry. Um, I just wanted to see if the You're the Man Now Dog website still exists. It better it better still be up there. Um, yeah. Anyway, while he's anyway. doing that. <laughs> well, Josh and I were talking right before we started recording about how this novel is impossible to give a synopsis of. 
which I, is I couldn't give a synopsis of the movie because I don't really remember it. Well, luckily, the 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 only good thing about the movie is they crammed as much as they could into one year instead of yeah. having it spread out over three years as they do in this book. So because of that, there's which... a zillion characters that come in and out. You know, like you do when you're a, a kid and you have friends, <laughs> which you know makes it less effective. Like it makes it. But I, I know why they did it. No, they of course. They did it in a year. Because it's a very coherent one-year story. Well, that and also because she's 18. She clearly yeah, states she in be the 18. beginning of yes. the of the movie, I'm 18 now. Because she's being taken in to this pound book, town constantly. She starts at like, she's 15. She's a sophomore. They don't, they didn't want to make starts, a movie about a, a an underage person having exactly. a bunch of sex. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So she is, I think... 16. They wouldn't want to when, make when a movie starts, with Dominique Swain she, about an underage person having lots of sex. <laughs> with older men. Uh, <laughs> Can't be done. Nope. Uh, well, she is 16 and, and messing around with a musician in his 20s. Yeah, I mean, he looked older in the movie. He, yeah. Well, he was he, just older than in my head. Because Sean I'm just Patrick... Picturing- Flannery, I looked him up. I think he was thirty-one or two when yes, that movie and was he filmed. Looks it. And oh my she God, was seventeen. She looks so like a older. child next mm-hmm. to him. Yes. Which I don't know. I think. Do we know how old Todd Sparrow is in the book? I thought he was like twenty-four. Yeah. Okay. That sounds. Mm-hmm. That sounds more right. Uh, it kind of works. You know what I mean? Like for scuzzy musician. No, yeah. Uh, hold on. Let me not take value judgments off of Todd Spiro at this point. Uh, it is something that happens. Local musician guy almost going to make it big seems very cool to you as a 16, mm-hmm. 17, 18 year old. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it works for him to be a little bit past his sell by date. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, we, we see it. We're seeing it more and more. <laughs> I just want to name the, local musicians that we've. Or do you like, mean in the book? <laughs> what? Do you mean in the movie or the book? Uh, more more in the movie, I think, yeah. than the book. I, you know, he was probably supposed to be playing 24, but I, uh, yikes. Because, he, I mean, yeah. Uh, I thought that the movie was going to do uh, a thing where they were going to keep her a virgin. <laughs> or that, oh. that it was going to, when she first mentions being a virgin, like 20 minutes into the movie. Mm-hmm. Because this is a young woman who has a lot of sex and enjoys sex in the book. I thought that the movie was going to do that 90s movie thing of it being a quest to lose her virginity. <laughs> but luckily, she dispatches with that shit right away. Pretty quickly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and she is she dispatches with it uh, in the summer after this book starts because she has sex yeah. finally at, at summer camp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but she is a little bit fixated on the fact that she hasn't had sex. And there are actually some pretty funny lines about it. But first, let's start with how everything starts. How does everything start? Sybil has shaved her head, and it <laughs> it is a traumatic event for all involved. Yeah. <laughs> um, she shaves her head after she hangs out with a guy named Todd Sparrow. She said she describes him as a free spirit with the purest soul of anyone she's ever met. Does the music that they used in the movie make you think of a free spirit with the purest soul of anyone you've ever met? Or does it make you think of fucking Creed? It makes me think of someone who could convince a 15, 16 year old at age 28 that he was a pure, thoughtful soul. Sure. uh, (laughs) That is a free spirit. Yeah. So Sybil, with her bald head, actually becomes more popular. Um, 
and uh okay here's the, what i want to say about skinheads okay go for it <laughs> yeah because because she, uh darcy and her are everyone freaks out about this shaved head because now she's a visual outcast to people and she's being <laughs> different than she should be being because <laughs> at this point they are just kind of normal they're like normies. high school girls yeah, yeah. They're average high school girls like they don't stand out in any particular way now presumably sybil's already a little bit rebellious she's a little and, weird yeah yeah mm-hmm. um but she shaves her head and so she says some skinheads weren't racist but darcy and i were skeptical that's true there's two kinds of skinheads mm-hmm. there's racist skinheads mm-hmm. and there's people who are skinheads who want to spend every moment of their lives explaining there's two kinds of skinheads. <laughs> I'm the second and one. It does not it does not seem worth it. Not at all. Have to go No, uh if you look at bootstraps, if I'm wearing these and they mean I'm not racist. I had a number of mental breakdowns as a high schooler and I would just shave my head. Oh my god. And uh People think you're a skinhead. I was never a skinhead. You know what I mean? But people would just assume I was a skinhead. What uh, color were your shoelaces for your boots? I don't, whatever my mom bought me, man. Okay, man. <laughs> What's the bad one? <laughs> Red. Uh, yeah. Red. Yeah. yeah. Okay. If um, you see someone wearing uh, boots with red laces, you better run. Probably. I don't if know. you see a yellow bandana in their back pocket, though, don't run. I just think I have a. It means they like being head, peed but... on in some. Fake Is that- internet, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, flag code. Yeah, uh, I just assume that people see glasses and beard and recognize that I'm soy through and through. Oh yeah, I mean they do. It's- well, when you're making this at all times, yeah, Josh, Josh did soy face for the podcast audience. I also held up both hands. <laughs> I'm usually pointing at something I see and like. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, the uh, other thing that they're correct about is that when you've had a recently shaved head, people just love to fucking touch it. It's annoying. Mm-hmm. It's true. Don't touch Don't touch my, my when shaved my nieces, head. When my nieces were little, they would sit on Blake's lap and rub his head. And at one point, he, hadn't, he hadn't shaved... He hadn't shaved your head maybe in a couple weeks fuzz, or something. He had some, yeah, he had some fuzz. And Elliot was sitting on his lap and rubbing his head. And she looked at him and she goes... You have baby Remy head, which Remy was her newborn sister. Damn. I had the same hair as a baby. And I was like, <laughs> that, cuts, that cuts me deep. Um, so Sybil, with her new do, also starts changing. She drops out of soccer, and she was the best soccer player on the team, and she forms a band. The band at first is called Bedhead. Bedhead. Not a bad, bad, bad name. better than the things in the movie. Did they, they call <gasps> Bad heads in the oh, movie? Oh, bad heads. Yeah. Why didn't they just leave a bad head? Bad I don't know. Okay. The names of bands in this book are better than the movie. Yeah. So then the band later morphs into Thrift Store Apocalypse. I also think that's kind of good for a high school band. <sighs> it seems right? kind of try hard. Yeah. Is what I, I'll say. It is, I, do, I do not like it and too many syllables. That, that uh, it's, it's not terrible, but uh-huh. it is definitely a battle of the band's name where they put in a lot oh, yeah. of like, oh, yeah. this sounds, it's too self consciously cool. I think it works, though, for high school kids who yes, are... no, I'm, yeah. I'm saying it's good writing to name it that. I might have done it. I might have done that in high school, yeah. And then name, the f- What are your high school band names, Blake? Um, I mean, the one that actually played shows was called Victims of Telephone. V-O-T, hell yeah. And it's a 
a pretty bad name. I'm it's trying to terrible. think if there were others. We took it from a poem, so we can't be com- totally blamed. Ah, uh, pretentious. <laughs> it's t- <laughs> like just the most, talk about soy. Like we took our band name from a poem. <laughs> Who uh, was the poet? Ginsburg. <laughs> Amazing. Be- we, we, were, we were into the beats. Hell yeah. Um, I'm trying to, th- I can't think of any others. There were probably like 10 stupid little things, but they didn't go anywhere. Mm. Well, did you have a band name as cool as Sins of Our Fathers? I wish. Yeah. Is, that sounds metal. Which is what Sybil's band finally settles on. And it, like her To parents, me, it sounds like a hardcore band who has one of those uh, fonts that you can't yeah. read. Yeah, mm-hmm. or a metal. Metal band. Yeah. Yeah, oh, like yeah, yeah, metal. yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and, uh, good name. I think, it's, I think it's good. Although Andrea, who's the protagonist, I don't think I've said her name. She is the girl in this book, <laughs> Andrea. Um, oh, yes, yes, the titular girl. I was going to yes. say, there's a lot of girls. <laughs> Sorry. Only one the titular. Girl. So Andrea, uh, her mom hates that band name. And every time something happens at school or something bad happens, her mom's like, I just really don't like you hanging out with that Sybil and that Sins of Our Father's <laughs> band. Yeah. Just because of the name? <laughs> yeah. Do they the say mother Sybil... not even understanding a biblical reference. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Do they say Sybil has a weird paint on her eyebrows in the book no because she sure does in the movie she does have uh i guess to make up for the fact that she doesn't have a shaved head tara reed's character who is playing sybil just has the craziest euphoria makeup (laughs) at all times that's that's being very generous calling it euphoria makeup just like different colored stuff on her eyebrows um it's yeah it's not like dyed eyebrows it's like she painted them badly so um and Andrea is also trying to kind of discover who she is. That's what this first what part the, of this book is. Yes. And mainly. here's what I want to say about the movie. The movie is it frames everything through the lens of being a groupie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which colors what she is or isn't by whether or not she's a groupie, mm-hmm. which it's not what the book's about at all. No. In the book... She doesn't know, like, she doesn't have a label for what she is or what she's trying to be, and she's discovering it. Mm-hmm. She's not measuring herself against being a groupie or not being a groupie or what. You know what I mean? I don't think that term's ever brought up. It's never brought up in the book because that's it was, not. It's a studio it, note. They were also, just like, you've yes. got to boil down her character to one word, uh, it, and, and we'd like that word to be groupie. <laughs> so change it, the script. It's saying these are, these are young women in a music scene, therefore groupies right uh-huh. yeah you know what yeah. i mean like it's it's a fundamental misunderstanding of what the book is about and what the characters are about yeah because really in this book she's just trying to figure out who she is and who she's, she's going a 16 to be. year she's, old yeah she's a normal and she's kid encountered and she, something interesting today yeah. we might call it fangirling i don't know if they had that term <laughs> at that time but she's i, I wouldn't even she's say she's not fangirling. really doing that yeah uh, she yeah, is I, it's in it's kind of like whenever I was, uh, you know, 14 or 15 and first discovered, you know, uh, like alternative music for the first time. And it's it's like you slowly start maybe defining yourself through that. Yes. Um, and that's what is happening here. And a lot of it, though, she lives in a town that has a music scene. So it's not like she's in her room just listening to CDs all the time. She starts going to clubs downtown and she's seeing, at club. Yeah. Okay. So she's a scenester. Yes. So she's seen other sort of young people, kid. and she is 
like admiring the way they dress and so she starts going to like thrift stores and stuff and and finding her own style a real thrift store apocalypse yeah she doesn't <laughs> want to shop at the gap anymore you know like she, she wants, wants to, what's to the name be of the cool an store? individual um hold on i wrote down all the names of all the stores they shopped okay. at um uh hop is the cool thrift yes. store where the yes. dresses actually fit but there's also a place called london dungeon that has punk clothes mini skirts and yep. hippie sunglasses Whoa. that's like the alley in chicago r.i.p Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, and yeah. so when one of her friends turns 16 they start going downtown you know and that's when she meets different people like the the two the two gay boys Derek and Jonathan she meets them like outside a library and and one thing that it, it, that I guess the movie kind of gets this right too <laughs> is that it's it becomes cool for her to know people who are different. You know what I mean? Yeah, people who are in like, uh, the, like a subculture, you know? Like, sh- she'll go, who, is it Marjorie? She goes, and uh, one of her friends knows punk girls. And so she goes and hangs out with the punk girls and then doesn't acknowledge them the next time she sees them. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it's not like she shows up and is part of this scene. She shows up and is kind of hanging around the scene mm-hmm. and... She's uh, on the outskirts at first, like you would yeah. be whenever you're first going to shows and stuff. You know, yeah. she doesn't know anyone, but she sees people that she thinks are cool. Like, um, who is the... Sorry, I'm trying to find the character's name. There's I so many like... characters. <laughs> I know, there are so many. Carla. Yes. She is the like the coolest scene girl. Yes. And you find out later that she is like really good friends with Todd Sparrow. Uh, um, you may know her as Portia de Rossi, Blake. Mm. And I think in the oh, movie, okay. didn't they say that Todd and and um, Carla were brother and sister? Yes. Yeah. That's another weird thing. Like, why couldn't it just be some young girl he's crashing with? Because I think that established him as the scummy person he is, that he's just kind of scummy. Someone, but, not, but yeah, typical guy in a band, right? With no real job, just kind of living off of, of young girls. Yeah, yeah. And so in this, or in the movie, it makes more, it makes him a, not more sympathetic, but it explains their relationship in a way that's more than just someone else he's mooching off of. And I feel like they wanted them not to have been having sex in the movie for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. it's more of like an older sister character trying to look out for for Andrea. Girl. I'm just going to call it a girl. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I want to read the first description of Todd Sparrow, though. Um, this is she is Hell outside yeah. the slow. library. <laughs> Dreamboat. And Todd Sparrow comes up to talk to the two boys that she's talking to and bums a cigarette from them. And this is the first description. Then he squatted down and started talking to us, and that's when I saw how incredible he was. His voice was sort of raspy and soft, but he had the clearest, brightest blue eyes I had ever seen. And the sides of his head were shaved, and he had beads in his hair and little bells. <laughs> beads and what little bells. What an awful time for fashion, Grunt was. What? <laughs> that was not in the movie. Yeah. He was also wearing a black overcoat with moccasins and had no socks. Uh, no, thank you, sir. Put on socks. <laughs> that's no, not with moccasins, though. Yeah, but don't wear moccasins. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, so that is the description of, of Todd Sparrow. He has a good name for a dreamboat, mm-hmm. but the description... For a musician. I don't know. Yeah. So the club they go to, is it the Outer Limits that yeah. they go to mm-hmm. to see everyone play? Yeah. Um, and that's the that's the that's where the scene is kind of happening there. 
Um, so Andrea finally turns 16 and has her own license. And so she can do whatever she wants. Um, she kind of has brief relationships with random dudes. One of them is, like can we doctor. talk about the, the shower, <laughs> the group shower? Oh yeah. That was a weird scene. <laughs> this is where uh, she gets the car. Yeah. So she or gets and the license. Sorry. She's dating a jock. I think his name is Mark and Mark her and Scott f- are the two friend, jocks. Yeah. And her yeah. friend Darcy Mm-hmm. Um, is dating a guy named Scott. So they decide to go together to the beach and rent a motel room. And so at one point, they all just get in the shower. Are they fully clothed? Do you remember? I think the women are in bathing suits. Okay, they're in their bathing suits or underwear. Yeah. And I don't remember if the guys are just in their boxers or if they're in trunks or whatever. But can you describe what happens? Uh, well, they're just kind of groping one another. In well, the, the shower's on, right? Yes, the shower's on, mm-hmm. and uh, Mark gets an erection mm-hmm. to which he says, down boy, <laughs> and oh then begins God. throwing cold water on it. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, I almost feel like that's a real event that happened to the writer. Absolutely. It seems too <laughs> One of those things that it seems too outlandish for me not to believe that that happened. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think Mark- <laughs> Too specific. Uh, <laughs> that's too specific. Down boy is something he wanted to say, but he didn't think fast enough. And later he was like, I wish I had said down, down boy. boy. That would have been funny. <laughs> um. Anyway, so she's dating this guy, Mark, and she's really not interested in him. And she can't figure out why. And it's because, number one, he's not Todd Sparrow. And number two, he's not the type that you dig anymore. He's, you know, she yeah, always talks boring. about how popular he is and how she should be grateful that he's paying attention to her. Because he's, he's a senior. She's a sophomore. She asked Dart. So she doesn't have sex with him on the beach when they're out there. Mm-mm. Although he does put a condom in her mouth as a birthday present. Happy so. birthday. Yeah. Uh, so she asks Darcy, she says, I'm not interested. Should I break up with them? And she says, no way. They're popular. <laughs> Which, okay. Um, yeah. Oh, and so also this is when you get a funny line that I think Selma Blair's character says at some point in the movie, she's playing Darcy. Darcy, yeah. Yeah. And... Um, so they don't have sex when they're at the beach. And so she asked Darcy, like, how far did you go with Scott? And she says, not much, but enough to leave a mess all over his jeans. Uh? And she said she had to do it because if she didn't, he would get this pain in his testicles and he wouldn't be able to walk. <laughs> Dudes, and the baseball rock. coach <laughs> Dudes rocking. would know. And then oh everyone God. would think she was a tease. So look, science. The science is, is out. <laughs> Follow the science. It's true. Um, I so remember a guy telling me at the the theater that he had tried that line and it did not work. Really? <laughs> yeah. Just not a dumb enough girl. You got to get someone who... Uh, Who's doo-doo dumb. Like yes. Sarma from Pure Food and Wine. Sorry. Is <laughs> too, anyone else watching too Bad specific, Vegan? <laughs> too, too specific to the Netflix true crime. I have not started that. I'm still on that last show that they dropped about the scammer. Uh, the Tinder Swindler? No, I watched that day of baby. <laughs> Didn't still haven't. We seen still that watched one. that, but we did try to watch the one about the the bad roommates from hell or whatever who kill and pretty good steal pretty good. and I thought it was boring. Blake seems to like it. I like anything about that kind of stuff. bad roommates. Yeah, but you just got to get a girl who or a person who will believe anything you say, you know? Because yeah. Plenty of people probably think that the the blue balls myth is real, at least in the it, 90s. It could really cause a 80s. lot of damage down there, permanent damage. <laughs> I might not be able to have babies unless you relieve this. I get backed up. Um, so she does go to a party and tries to have sex with Mark. 
This is a very uh, embarrassing scene where they're fooling around on the bottom bunk of a bed and he sits up suddenly and bumps his head and just has this huge gash and he's dripping blood and still trying to like effort. Oh, yes. Like trying to put the yeah, condom Yeah, that on. whole scene, he's the drunk too, just, right? Yeah, he's drunk. The blood yeah. is just coming down. They took all the most entertaining stuff out of the book for the movie, <laughs> by the way. Uh, okay, can I, we jumped over one thing before that. Oh, sorry. Uh, well, it's just a line that she says. So she's, she's, thinking about how she wants to break up with them and she's not really uh she she's been at taco time with sybil and richard Mm -hmm. and they're telling her about the youth revolution that's coming and she says she realizes darcy's too fake and sybil is too weird Mm -hmm. she may end up with no friends at all (laughs) i mean sometimes that happens um, but but then my next note is Bangs had trying to open condom has to go to the hospital for stitches. I mean, more power. This man is horny, horny. That yeah. he's, <laughs> he's bleeding out, and he's like, no, I res- <laughs> I'm, sex. I'm fine. Let's have sex. Yeah. Um. So she leaves the party with this cute college boy named Kevin that she meets. Um. So Sybil's band starts playing at the out. Oh, can I can I say club. one line? Oh yeah, sorry. Uh, I believe it's with Kevin. It just, he asked uh, asked if I was homophobic, and I shrugged because I couldn't remember if it meant you liked them or not. <laughs> this is a girl who gets accepted to uh, Brown or something. I mean, can't remember <laughs> if homophobic is oh good God. or bad. 1993. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, her parents always make fun of her clothes. She's about to go to... I wrote this down because it seems like such a parent thing to say. And by the way, her parents are much older yeah. um, than normal parents are. Like, her parents should probably be, like, what, in their late 30s, early 40s? And instead, they're probably in their mid-50s. She was kind it's of It's essentially like baby. if I had a child now. In the movie, they're in, like, 70s. <laughs> they are. <laughs> they're pretty old, yeah. I would say they're in their late 50s. They're comedically 50s. old in the movie, yeah. Yeah, yeah they're no, very I'm old. old past 60 i don't even know how it was possible to conceive that child with how old they are in the movie um maybe they had a surrogate maybe maybe but she does have an older brother but who cares about him he comes in the, the book like twice who cares um so <laughs> she asked about the car and her mom hates her new look but does her dad does say there's no law against driving dressed like a clown <laughs> um <laughs> typical parent <laughs> stuff my mom hated everything i wore everything would just make fun of it. Damn it, mom. I know. Well, I wore really ugly clothes. I'm not going to lie. But back what... then, as a chubby teenager, we didn't have cool choices. It was like shapeless sacks or just T-shirts and jeans. And I would wear like docks and flannels and stuff over it all the time. Sometimes uh, a T-shirt thrown over a dress, like I've talked about before, you know. Right. My mom would generally let me wear what I wanted or look as stupid as I wanted when she... but. She would also make me duck down in the car uh, if we had to stop somewhere, <laughs> like at church. She was embarrassed of her child yes. rather than mm-hmm. the usual other way around. Yeah. So uh, there is a, a, tr- a sexual assault-ish scene in the book and the movie. Ooh. And the movie, it's Adam Scott. <laughs> Adam Scott, third build on Amazon Prime. <laughs> <laughs> As rapist number one. Rapist number one, yes. Party rapist Uh, number one. Yeah, so in this house happens in the book, she and her friend uh, Darcy start going, hanging out with this other popular girl at her pool after school, and they get kind of drunk one day, and um, 
She passes out on the couch and she wakes up to Scott on top of her and he's jacking off on her and finishes on her. Oh, God. Yeah, so it's different. Yeah. In the movie, he just kind of has, a, he's like touching himself, but his He doesn't get to like, finish. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you wake up and you're kind of in an altered state and you see this dong just guy Jesus just jerking Christ. it on top of you. Yikes. His book is filthy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Darcy said she's glad that she never gave him that blowjob he wanted because what he did was uncool. <laughs> uncool is one way to put it yes yeah. and they both have epiphanies that they are just groupies to mark and scott okay so they do say groupies mm. but that's not the framing of the book right right yeah. and it's not it doesn't really make sense in the same you know what i mean yeah yeah she's trying to say here i'm not a groupie yeah. don't don't treat me like i'm just a groupie. yeah well they this is what they their epiphany is they didn't want us to be their girlfriends they were glad we were stupid and didn't make any demands and just hung around so they could fondle us whenever they wanted but so. but gr- you don't think of the term groupies as being used for like jocks you know what i mean mm, no uh, no no i mean you you don't associate with the jock. I mean, obviously they have girls who hang out and are yeah, attracted but, but to them. But you don't use groupies as reserved for rock stars. music, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. What do you call? You call them like rally girls. Rally right? girls? I mean, I rally girls is a specific term for like uh, football or like for sports. like Allie like, Larders in varsity. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she would have been a rally girl. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What about like... Um, but they are like essentially groupies for like the football for, team. yeah for football players or basketball but it's an organized uh position from by the school we need the rally girls to uh get the <laughs> school sponsored yeah yeah so um it's summer now and andrea's parents send her to camp north pacific to work on the grounds crew because mainly they don't want her around that summer alone hanging out with her weird friend Sybil. like they don't <laughs> want that we don't no want you hanging out with this anti-racist skinhead, but a skinhead nonetheless. <laughs> she, she's explained it to us many times. Remember when she wears her butt rock shirt? Well, that's coming up. Okay, uh, yes. <laughs> that did not happen in the movie either, but they talked about they butt rock, They did talk right? about butt rock. But it was a passing mention. The, yeah. I didn't think they had that term back then, by the way. Apparently uh, they, they did. did. This was written in 1994. Yeah. So, um, so she uh, is working with Rita and Brad, and she decides to go ahead and have sex with Brad. And so she does lose her virginity to Brad. Um, and after she has sex with him, she thinks my life, my real life has just now begun. <laughs> um, and so they they continue to have sex like all that summer. And they have like some weird dating moments where they sneak off the, the camp, but it's not really that important. Um, but she has a, a thought about sex and she this is what a lot of young people, I guess. And I feel like maybe I would have had the same epiphany if I'd had sex in high school. <laughs> Oh, wait, me too. before you get to that, I had a question, and th- this is when I figured out you couldn't hear me. Did they rob a store with a gun? <laughs> no, no, uh, they... Uh, what are my notes here? <laughs> okay, so on their first date or hangout or whatever, he takes her off, cam- off away from camp on his motorcycle, right? And they end up going to this house, like, out in the middle of nowhere, and that's when she learns he's from the area, like, he's a townie, right? Oh, okay. Like, yeah, yeah, he's not yeah, like yeah. a rich kid like she is coming there. And um he opens up like a a truck in front of the house and grabs a gun, right? And is playing with it, but he also steals like a carton of cigarettes or yeah. something out of the truck. Okay. I don't know. It's I kind of didn't focus on that because he when I was doing my notes cuz he isn't a major player. He's literally just the guy she loses her virginity to. Who's um, different in the the movie? 
Yes. So she sleeps with, it's like a weird. Just another like scene guy. Yeah. Yeah. And he doesn't even look like a scene guy. He looks like Stifler or something. (laughs) (laughs) Stifler should have been in this. Tara Reid was. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So her epiphany (laughs) is, um, what I didn't understand that first couple of days was. Jason Biggs should have been the guy masturbating. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that movie is pretty gross. Hey, we are not here to once again cancel American Pot. <laughs> um, anyway, she just talks about how people should just be having sex all the time. Yes. Um, like, why do grown ups and older kids complain about how they can't get sex? Just go meet someone and do it. Everybody wants to. How <laughs> even hard if you don't can it like be? Wow. Yeah. And even if you don't like that person that much, you'll be having sex with them. And sex is so fun. Of course, you'll start to like them. So, everyone point. should be having sex six straight hours a day. Uh, yeah, I would have had the same revelation. Uh, because when I first discovered masturbation, I was like, oh, this is the only <laughs> thing I want to do. This rocks. Why would I ever do anything else? Yeah. Leave me alone, Mom. <laughs> I, I need more bathroom I need time. more socks, Mom. <laughs> Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah. So um, it's junior year now. This is when we have Sybil's infamous butt rock t-shirt. She gets in trouble at school, kind of mm-hmm. like the Jessica with her Say You Love Satan white zombie mm-hmm. t-shirt. Butt rock is... is it is. They are that's, They are mad about... We're, we're about to call in the Supreme Court. It too. is insane how upset... They, they are so upset that the teacher calls Andrea's parents and say that Sybil is disruptive and has a discipline problem and wears obscene clothing. And... Andrea, not thinks- not Sybil's parents calling girls' parents. Yeah. Oh my God. Andrea. That's um, the so- incident that a shirt says butt rock. They should have made it a butthole surfer's t-shirt. Yeah, she says, my poor parents, they didn't know I wasn't a virgin anymore or that I could smoke or anything really about my life. They looked so old and pathetic sitting there worrying about butt rock. I just <laughs> felt sorry for them. Which, I mean, that's so I like true. That. Like, your your yep. parents freak out over the dumbest shit, but they have no idea what you're no doing. idea that you're like dropping acid when yeah. you're not looking. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, no idea. Um, so Andrea and Darcy, their, Sybil- their relationships are drifting apart. Oh, oh Sybil's mom also gives her a lecture, but Sybil's mom is a super feminist mm-hmm. and says gives her a lecture about how it's important to choose the fights that you have or choose the most important things to fight about, not a shirt that says butt rock, probably. Yeah. And then Andrea's like, it sounded really smart what she was, uh, what, she, what she said her mom was saying. Yeah. So, um, I guess the Outer Limits Club has been getting more and more popular with all the kids coming in and playing and um, with all the bands coming in and playing. Sorry, getting Since too big. Fathers, they're getting really big. And Selling out. They have a show with Color Green. Color Green, that's Todd Sparrow's band. I um, How do we feel like about this, this band name for mm. a grunge band in that era because they all mm-hmm. had shitty names. <laughs> yeah, true. Like, like t- Tad. Soundgarden, bad name. Yeah. Step on, I'm gonna step on some toes. Let's. Let, what are some grunge names? Pearl Jam, fucking awful name. Melvins, is that okay? That, yeah. Uh, eh. Doesn't do much for me. Um. Uh. uh Mud Honey. Super Chunk. Super anyway, chunk. bad. Bad names. Afghan Wigs. Are they a, a grunge? Okay. I guess they're not really grunge. They would yeah. just be kind of lumped into alt rock, though. Yeah. But Color um, Green what, to me sounded like a band that would be from the, that scene. What did you think Color Green sounded like? 
Because I was picturing like a Pearl Jam or a Nirvana, right? Something very yeah, yeah, Seattle yeah, yeah, grunge. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and what did you think Sense of Our Father sounded like? Because I was picturing like a seven-year bitch type yes, situation. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, okay. they seemed they, like they'd be more aggressive to me. Yeah, definitely. Um, man, I wish I'd written down the lyrics to the song that Tara Reid sings. It's something like, Jesus. it was so bad. Like Silicone Girls. <laughs> Yeah, I can't even. Remember. I mean, obviously, they were trying to like when the movie was made in what ninety eight. So they were trying to do a whole band. Yeah, the, it it took place in the late nineties, which caused I think gutted a, what might have made it cool. I think. Yeah, I really wish they had left it gr- in the. <laughs> Why was there so much ska? <laughs> There's Why was so there so much, much ska? ska? Why was there any ska? I, I mean, probably understand. because there was ska and Clueless. And Clueless was successful. Uh, Clueless yeah. was very successful. Also, um, it was that late 90s, mid, you know, 98. A few people probably thought ska might become a thing. The next mm-hmm. thing, yeah. I well, mean, it was briefly a thing. Yeah. Yeah, barely. The, yeah. I mean, this book, it, it's very easy to transfer this between different scenes. You know what I mean? You could do this about anything and use the same textual material, mm-hmm. which is cha- maybe change some of the band names. But yeah. but well, it was weird they're mostly trying to still do grunge. Yeah. Well, what's also weird about the, the movie compared to the book is that they're acting like Todd Sparrow is already a big rock star. Like there are posters of him hanging up places. Mm-hmm. She has a poster that she puts in her room of him. And as far as I know, they haven't even signed to a label yet. No, they haven't. You know? And so I'm like, how the hell are there glossy photos, like professional looking photos and posters of him hanging up? Doesn't she like meet him under an overpass? Yeah, he's hanging out with like the homeless, he's like, he's the street like in kids a, he's in, in Portland. In a, he's in an encampment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he he shits in a porta potty, and she loves him so much that she's gonna go in there after he uses it to. I I didn't bask understand in that. His aroma is that really what she's doing? I think I, I did not know. catch that. Man, she just wanted yeah. to be closer to him. And These it's girls. inspecting his bowel movements is how to yeah. how one does T- it. Typical fangirl stuff. <laughs> True so love. Sib- yeah. So Sybil is just like the coolest girl on the planet, right? She's in Correct. this cool band. They're they're getting really popular. And she's opening for the color green. And after that show, Andrea gets her chance to flirt with Todd and goes to after parties with him. So anyway. Uh she also just kind of like has random run-ins with him around town. What's his? Because he doesn't really have a job. He's just kind of hanging around. Yeah, just kind of hangs around in downtown Portland, you know. Um, and that's where she always goes to look for him. Like if she's like, mm, I wonder if I'll find Todd. She just kind of hangs out at her favorite froyo spot and like looks around for him. I mean, him. to me, this would be like in Springfield, if because to me, none of these bands are as big as they were in the movie. Mm-hmm. So oh, no, they're not. They're all just kind of locally big. Mm-hmm. So. Although it's a bigger scene, obviously, because it's Portland, it's next yeah. to Seattle, and this is when grunge was blowing up. But to me, I was thinking about it like local bands in Springfield, mm-hmm. and she's just going down to the square hoping to run into him, and mm-hmm. because he has nothing to do but mooch off people and bum around and drink and do drugs and walk around. Mm-hmm. He's always around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be like her hanging out at the mud house and just kind of scoping South Street, yeah, hoping waiting he'll for walk him to by wander or by with his acoustic guitar. Yeah. Um, So that's basically what she spends a lot of her time doing. Uh, So she does randomly kind of run into him one day and hangs out with him and Carla. Can I read a description of Carla? Yes. So Carla, by the way, is supposed to be the coolest girl, the coolest scene girl, right? So uh, 
she is telling Sybil, Andrea is telling Sybil about running into Todd and Carla and hanging out with them one day. And um, I guess Sybil says this. Sybil says <laughs> she's an enigma because she looks so aloof. But when you talk to her, it was like she was mentally <laughs> You can take that out. Obviously. I'm bleeping you. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't, I don't know what that means. I think she's just kind of aloof and spacey, maybe. Uh, I, I don't know why. So um, a new boy does show up at school. He eventually ends up joining Sins of Our Fathers. He's very ambitious. He's from Seattle. That's correct. He knows right? all the bands. Um, wait. No, 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 no. I'm, I got the wrong person. Hold on. Wait, wait, wait. Let me look at my list of 9 million characters here. No, no, no. It is, let's see. Uh, why did I not write his name down? Sophomore transfer from Seattle. Matthew from, from Meyer. Okay. Matthew. Greg is already in the band. He's so impressed that they know color green. Yeah. Yeah. Personally, Uh, not just uh, like know their music. His band was named Seed Machine. (laughs) (laughs) I wrote down a bunch of the band names because I thought they were funny. Um, A band that they always listen to is Girl Patrol. Yeah, Girl Patrol. I kind of like that. Yeah, it sounds like a Bikini Kill type band, right? Better than the Fat Records band Goober Patrol. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Todd Sparrow's first band was called Coma. That's okay. Yeah. Um, Other bands they list, there's a band called Pax, P-A-X. Uh, one called Crocus. I didn't like Pax because I kept thinking of the Kevin Spacey movie K Pax. K Pax. Yeah, that's what it made. Croc. I feel like Crocus is a real band. How's that spelled? Yeah. K R O K U S. I tried looking Looking them up and I don't think I found anything. I thought. Okay, I thought there was a band Uh, called that. Band called Bender. The Astral Planes. Bender has definitely been a million different bands. The Party Hats. K-R-O-K-U-S is a real band. Is it? Oh, you know what I was Googling? I was Googling the song that was on the mixtape. They're they're Uh, a metal band from the 80s. Okay. Yeah. Well, I don't think that's the the band he... Because the guy that she loses her virginity to gives her a mixtape and it has Crocus on it. And he's like, this song Uh, is my favorite song. And so I think I Googled that plus Crocus to see if it was real. So, okay. Band called Cyanide. One called Hammerheads. Mirage. uh, And then Positive Space is another band. And then okay. Seed Machine, Matthew's band in Seattle. Any band's name, Jeffrey's Fan Club? What? Wait, was that a band name that I That's missed? the band who performed the original, that wrote the songs for the movie. Oh, okay. Awesome. Or wrote some of the songs. Uh, can I run down the movie soundtrack really quick? Real quick, do it. Yeah. Okay. These are just the names of the bands. So, The Smooths. <laughs> okay, we have a couple yeah. Sixpence None the Richer songs. Yeah. We have Power Man 5000, Jeffrey's Fan Club, The Smooths Again, uh, Magnet. Uh, all of that ska, I believe, was the Hippos. Oh, oh I thought okay. it was the Smooths. Um, then John Kahn is the guy who wrote Girl and then a bunch of other stuff. So, And then there's a bunch of other shit on here, the John Kahn band. Yeah, just I- no... Nothing that you would have had to pay a lot of money for in 1998. I love that Sixpence, None the Richards on there. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't catch which songs they did, but I, I did see. That I didn't in the even credits. notice it, but yeah, we saw it in the credits. But so um, Andrea starts using this excuse of going downtown to study or do outside reading so she can get into a good school. Um, she and her, her old dipshit parents bar. bought yeah. buy it all. <laughs> yeah. And so this is when she spends all her time eating frozen yogurt and looking for Todd. One day she runs into Carla and Carla's like, hey, he's at Poor Boy Records. So she goes running to the store. 
Um, she is... Which we see in the movie as well. Yeah. There is that scene in the movie. She goes right in the store and she kind of bumbles around him. And then he goes back to... Takes her back to his house. Actually, she drove back to his house. And she writes, he took me in his room and took off my cow dress and put it inside me so fast I hardly knew what oh, was God. happening. Oh, God. Slick, uh... The cow dress. Slick that... Sparrow there. Oh, the cow dress. Now, see, That's my biggest thing with the cow dress in the movie was that it had a cow print. I always thought yeah. it just had a print of little cows on it. I didn't think oh, it was like... You gotta here's specify. what I'll say. Yeah. I didn't know what the fuck they were talking about in the book. <laughs> so I was very glad to see the visual. Okay, because, okay. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know it, why I, I thought that. I was like, does it look like a moo-moo? What, what are they talking about? <laughs> yeah, I pictured it as like a little dress like she was wearing, with but maybe like an A-line but it had like little little cow print, like with little cows on it instead of an actual cow print dress. But maybe yeah. that was just me. I was just thinking of like a whimsical pattern and that seems more whimsical than just the big no, Nothing about this black. seems flattering. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, uh, nothing was dress. flattering or cute in the early 90s. Um, so uh, anyway, basically they just have sex for a very long time and she says, it's very aggressive sex, fucking. I felt like I'd been totally fucked. It was so weird. With the other boys, I had sex, but now I'd been fucked. It was a lot different. When someone fucked you, it made you understand that you were female. They were male, and you were female, and they fucked you. You did not fuck them. And it seemed so weird and grim and scary, it made me want to cry. But I didn't. So, yeah. Yeah. Huh. She's, she has bruises on her arms so that she's mm-hmm. hiding from her parents. In, Jesus Christ. In, because they need this narration, because in, in the movie... They mm-hmm. have her tell this to the guidance counselor. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> what yeah. What the fuck? Yeah, she's like doing is... like hand motions yes. and the counselor's here's, like Here's another problem. It's supposed to be a joke scene. Like yeah, in the movie. and she's like slamming her hands on the table describing yeah. the fucking to the counselor. Also, there's too much voiceover in the movie, and especially while the character is talking on screen, but we hear voiceover of something else. Yeah. It's <laughs> over her talking. Yeah. And it they, doesn't sound different enough from like on set dialogue. So sometimes it just gets confusing. There was so much they wanted to get in mm-hmm. and they didn't yeah. know how to do it because this book is written first person. Yeah. So this they'll have her yeah. say like little quips as she's standing in front of someone, but like it'll be in her head. I don't know. I don't yeah. know if it yeah. quite worked. So Todd disappears. Um, he basically is in Seattle. He's meeting with a producer named Buzz Mitchell about a recording contract. Um, so she writes a letter to Todd and kisses every corner of every page. Oh, my God. And kisses the envelope ten more times and drew some flowers on it. And she says it took two frozen yogurts and three coffees to complete. Um, I wrote, Matthew always knows what drugs people are on. Because I think he's always like, oh, yeah, Darcy, she takes speed. <laughs> oh, yeah, the lead singer of Girl Patrol, she's on heroin. I mean, for someone so worldly, why did he keep saying, did you boff Todd Sparrow? He kept saying boff. <laughs> um, they and, don't make love to you. They boff you. Yeah. <laughs> and Disrespect. Matthew also gets bullied at school a lot. Um, I think it's the fucking, it's some jock. I can't. No, because I think her ex-boyfriend had already graduated. But anyway, he keeps getting bullied at school. Oh, I remember the bully. Yeah. So um, anyway, there's a road trip to Seattle to see Color Green, but they can't get in because a bouncer played by uh, Biff, 
uh, from Back oh, to the yeah. Future. Biff from Freaks and Geeks, the butt patter who passed little boys' butts. Love uh, that guy. Yeah, he won't let them in because they aren't over 21, even though the flyer said all ages. Um, so they climb over fence and try to get through the back door. Basically, she gets to hang out with Todd again, and I think she has sex with him again. Gets boffed. Yeah, sorry. Good and um, proper. But he comes out with a girl named Jessica, who I think is in another band. Maybe he's touring with or he's dating her or whatever. And she describes Jessica as being dressed like she was grunge, but it was totally fake because she was super clean and her face was creamy smooth. And you could tell she was a star and probably a total bitch, which, I mean, spot on for Jessica's. If you have good good skin in the grunge scene, you are a poser. Mm. I can say that. I saw Kurt Loder's story on MTV and said, I'm joining the scene. <laughs> with my perfect skin. <laughs> so, um, Sins of Our Fathers finally get their first headlining show at Outer Limits, and it's a big thing. They hang up posters all over school. How does that work out for them? Not good, because... They all... say butt rock. <laughs> he comes what? to the butt rock show. <laughs> all the, uh, they call them redneck flannel boys, and the jocks show up to the club, and there's a big fight between the skinheads and the flannel boys, because the skinheads are hanging out across the street. Bad skinheads? Bad skinheads. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. And Jerry and Bobby, the two jocks, pick a fight with the skinheads. And Bad she, idea. Yeah. She thinks, why do boys have to wreck everything? Because they do. Um, Jerry Kruger is one of the kids who ends up dying. By the way, there's a lot of death in this book, more mm-hmm. than you would think. Um, Jerry Kruger dies and Bobby Wingate is in critical condition. And because of this, the outer limits has to close. And Matthew is basically in hiding because he's terrified that the football players will beat him to death um, because of this incident. Damn. So um, Andrea doesn't want to go to camp and convinces her parents to let her have an internship at a local radio station, um, convinces them that it will look better for college. And so she works for KBAN. So Richard decides to leave Sins of Our Fathers and they get a girl bass player named Fiona who is older, like 22. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The good thing about this is that she can bum around downtown after work and she can run into Todd and she'll go and she'll just be able to fool around with him. Um, And I think this is shown in the movie as them just effing everywhere, including um, mm. on the floor at like a practice space while one of the members of the band band is just sitting like on on an amp. He's like, uh, and hey, they're right behind mind? him. <laughs> like, Why are you doing that there? Yeah. Um, trying to see if there's anything else that's really important here. Uh, I just want to. So this guy, Trevor, he's trying to make out with her. And uh, he says, because she's obsessed with Todd and Trevor knows this. And she's mm-hmm. not going for it. She just wants to be friends. And then he says, I'm creative, too. I even tried to kill myself once. Oh, God. <laughs> and then he rants about how all all rock star guys are egomaniacs. True, but but he's trying to show that he is just as uh, <laughs> right. He's deep. as dark and tortured as Todd. Yeah, um, and so that you know they're just kind of playing shows and stuff. At one show, they're actually playing in like a youth center, and a, and Andrea ends up going in the chapel. And she says, it was probably totally sacrilegious, but before I left, I thank God for Todd and the music scene and for all the fun I was having. And at least my youth wasn't being totally wasted. At least I found someone to love. At least when I was old, I'd have one good thing to remember. So good for her, you know? Um, anyway, Todd goes back to Dear Seattle. Lord, thank you for letting Todd slam me like a, <laughs> like a ham. Um, 
<laughs> so Todd goes back to Seattle and Color Green's album is released. Um, now it's her senior year, and on her during her senior year, she signs up for the school paper. The Someone Hillsider. has become a uh, little Jesse Spano senior year. <laughs> yeah. And Sins of Our Fathers just keeps blowing up. Now they're going to be opening for the Sidewinders from Texas at the Baker Theater. What? Whoa. Yeah. They're getting really popular. Um, so Andrea has become much more focused on just getting out of Portland. She just wants to go to college. She talks about how she feels more like a student now than ever before. And she even avoids hanging out downtown because she doesn't want to run into Carla. Doesn't want to run into any of the scene, scene people. She just wants to leave. Although there's a new club in Portland that just opened called the K Club. And Sins already has a gig booked. This is this is something else I thought the the book did in fairly well, and it's uh, why it, it's good or it has the advantage of being set over three years. It's just how quickly things can change for people in high school, mm-hmm. and how you can float from one thing to another, mm-hmm. and like you can have a whole new identity in like nine months. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean, or a whole new circle of friends. Yeah, or whatever. Like there's a scene when she's talking about how she and. Um, I'm trying to find it now. It was actually a really good line that I really related to. And it's whenever she and, um, okay, Darcy. So they're in Darcy. And they have an argument. And she says, well, at least Brad likes girls. At least I'm not a ver. But then I stopped. And we both looked away. And I guess we were shocked that we hated each other so much. Yeah. That also reminds me of the, uh, at least I'm not a virgin who can't drive (laughs) scene. Yeah, because, I mean, they had talked about, uh, at the beginning, she felt that people were mocking her for being a virgin, and then once mm-hmm. she loses her virgin, once she has sex for the first time, she's now looking down on Darcy and other people, uh, like other virgins. Yeah, you know she's what I mean? In the club now. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. Uh, yeah, I thought that was the thing that the book got really well, though. Is just the way that, and even once she's out of the scene, sort of, it's not an all or nothing thing. You know, she still like goes to things sometimes, mm-hmm. but and she, you know, makes new friends at the newspaper. You yeah, know, that she's hanging out with that um, Steve the preppy that won't fuck her. Yeah, it, yeah. he's a newspaper guy, right? I think so. Yeah, she tries to have sex with him on the first date, and he's like, "Oh, what are you doing?" <laughs> I was like, "Get that dick out, man!" <laughs> but yeah, it is. I think it does do it well. How just you kind of like? I remember being close with a girl my freshman year, and she was a junior, and we never hung out past my freshman year. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. Even though she was a senior and still went to the same school, like we never hung out again. And it's not a thing where you're like, we're done being friends. There's no big blow up. You know what I no. mean? And it just yeah. kind of happens. It's not something that you see a lot in young adult books or movies. You know, I mean, Either because they don't make it really dramatic, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, where things more just kind of fade off. Yeah. And part of the structure of the book uh, enables that and that there's so much going on all the time <laughs> but yeah. not really that much going on yeah all right so the owner of the k club i think his name is eric yeah he ends up asking sybil out so they're, they're kind of dating once again older guy younger girl dating like high school age and this guy is old enough to open a club Although I think it's established that his father has money, yeah, <laughs> because they he has a big party at his parents' lake house. I mean, do you um, see the lofts in these movies? All these kids have money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, um, but at this party, I think this is when 
Okay, yes. So it's when Sybil does ecstasy, but Andrea Mm -hmm. refuses to do it. And they end up leaving the party, and she takes Sybil back home and stays the night with Sybil, and they have an encounter, which is quickly breezed over in the movie, Mm -hmm. uh, where... I think Tara Reid just leaves a smacker on her. I can't remember. Is it read as sexual in the movie? I'm no, not at all. It's it's like okay. a it's, it's like a a, a, being drunk. You're not drunk, but you know I'm on drugs. You're it's my almost, buddy. It's almost like a chaste kiss that means nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really, that's all it is. Just yeah. A, as a regular yeah. kiss. And I, I do kind of like how he wrote about it. Um, when they're fooling around, she says, I guess it was her smell and the parts of her neck that I had been watching for so long and how smooth her skin was and how some parts seemed so new. And it was so comfortable. And I knew exactly what she meant when she said she loved me because I loved her too. And we sort of kissed each other and touched and chewed each other's ears. And then she pressed against me and we rocked back and forth. And it was all so sleepy and dreamy. And like we weren't even doing it. We weren't even involved. Um, Keep in mind, this this was written, though, in 1993 before bisexuality had been invented. (laughs) Right. Um, Yes. So she wakes up and remembers what happened and she leaves kind of in a panic and they kind of avoid each other. Um, She finds out that she gets accepted to Wellington, which is a college she wanted to go to. Then there's a big Sins of Our Fathers, Color Green, and Mirage show. Whoa, all on one bill. One bill. Um, she, I think at this point, Color Green is getting some national attention, right? Like they're getting yeah. radio play. Like she hears them on the radio and she's like, whoa. Um, and I think she describes Todd as looking like very tired and very worn down and very like sad. Um, this is why I always thought of the Kurt Cobain <laughs> Uh, for me, because I just isn't that kind of how he was described? Like the like the constant touring and that lifestyle just makes you sick and wears you down for a lot of people. And You're talking about yeah. just the physical, yeah, the physical aspects of it, right? Like he lost a lot of weight, was very thin. Of course, that doesn't help that he was a heroin. Yeah, there were many other yeah, factors, yeah. and it's hard on a lot. But of I mean, people. we don't know. We Todd don't know doesn't Todd seem tortured to. internally, though, because. I don't know how much is going on with Todd. Yeah, and if, yeah. if there's not much going on up there, it's yeah. hard to be tortured. Yeah. yeah. So whenever she leaves the show that night, she feels like a sense of finalness. And back home, she says she has a horrible ache growing in my chest, not because I wanted Todd back, but because without him, everything would be normal again and there'd be nothing to daydream about. Which, I mean, that seems like a pretty... I mean, she's aware of herself, I guess is what I'm saying. Like, she's aware that, like... Maybe she's not really super in love with him, but it, but being with him allowed her to not feel normal. Yeah. And it gave her something to look forward to and to daydream about their relationship. And now it's just kind of too realistic and she really wants to get out of this town and go away. Um, let's see. Sense of Our Fathers end up getting signed to a record label and they drop out of school to record. Eh, why not? Yeah, why not? Hey, they're going to be the next big thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, they're supposed to use spring Screw break it. to record, but it goes over spring break, right? She keeps, like, she's at school waiting for Sybil and never sees Sybil. But one day, um, Greg, who is a member of the band, comes back and she's like, where's everyone else? And he tells her that he was fired by the producer, Nick Vin, which sounds like such a producer name. What a scumbag. <laughs> Nick. Um, Nick said that they needed a drummer who could keep a beat. And is that an important part of drumming? <laughs> <laughs> um, so he, yeah, 
he takes a bunch of tranquilizers and drives and gets in a car wreck and he's hospitalized. Um, I think they tell her that he has permanent brain damage and is a vegetable. Ugh. So that's worse than what happens in the movie, I think, or not worse. What happened in the movie? In the movie, one of the band members it just suddenly commits suicide out of, and it all happens really fast. Yeah. That's the thing is they tried to cram everything into this movie. Yeah. <laughs> So you never even got, like, attached to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't feel anything for the characters because... No. 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 Even though you're like, hey, that's that's that Masterson kid who was on Malcolm yeah. in the Middle. So yeah, you, we're mostly, we mostly feel anything <laughs> from the characters because of other associations. That's right. why I'm so disappointed in Adam Scott. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Who? Oh, wait. The guy from Mad Men was in it, yeah, too. Yeah, he was the bully. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Um, Not to be anyway. confused with the IRL bully from Mad Men, John Hamm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, let's not talk about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bully? What? yeah. Don't oh. don't look it up. <laughs> don't look, what? It up. Don't look up why he had to transfer from. I thought we liked John Ham. Well, I do like John Ham, but he did I some like him. bad, Mistakes bad, dumb, hey. horrible shit in college. He was just being a bad boy, you know. <laughs> he was. Let's just say it was a fraternity hazing that went really, really, really oh, bad. Jesus. Yeah. Okay, lawsuits. Lawsuits. I'll look mm-hmm. later. Yeah. Um. So Andrea still has not heard from Sybil and decides to go to Seattle to find Sybil and tell her about Greg. So she drives all the way to Seattle, um, ends up figuring out where Sybil is staying. And she's staying with a woman named Katrina, who was described as a crazy lesbian. Um, (laughs) So that's cool. But the house that she lives in and where Sybil is staying is very nasty and sad and creepy. And the people that live there are really weirding out Andrea. And so when Sybil comes to the door, they leave to talk. And they talk about Greg and the band. And Sybil comes out as gay to Andrea and tells her that she'd been in love with her. And anyway, so take Sybil back to that house and they say their goodbyes. And on the way home, she stops at a rest stop and calls her dad and tells him she'll be late. Um, And... He asked if she's okay, and she said, I said I was, but his voice sounded so warm and familiar, I started to cry. And then I hung up, and it was pouring down rain, and I just stood there in the phone booth crying, my eyes out for Greg and Sybil and everybody, because things happened so fast, and everyone went flying out in the world in a million directions, and everyone was going somewhere different, and everyone ended up alone. I don't know. That just made me... Uh, well, really? yeah, it's depressing. Yeah. Um, so the Sins are going on tour and they're playing the K Club on the same day as Andrea's flight to college. Um, she packs for school and on the flight, she starts dreaming about what college will be like. And it ends with, but of course, that's not what happened. Not even close. And we don't know what happened for 17 more years. (laughs) He seriously leaves it on like a, like a cliffhanger type note. Exactly I don't. I don't know that it was it written as a cliffhanger, though. Yeah. You know, it's Jesus. written as. Did you read the last line? Read it. I okay. thought I did, but. Oh. No, no. I'm saying, I, did you? Oh, I thought no, that okay. was the last line. So okay, and then winter would come, and it would snow, and I would meet Marissa. That's going to be a roommate for hot chocolate, and we would discuss issues and sexual politics, and we plan rallies to shut down nuclear power plants, and I'd be dressed like everybody else, and learning so much, and making friends, and being right in the thick of college life. Dot, dot, dot. But, of course, that's, that's not what happened. Not even close. So it's it's kind of leaving you with... I, I didn't take it as a to-be-continued because we obviously didn't know there's going to be another one. But she has these plans for what life is going to be like now. But I think it's just saying that she's not... Mm-hmm. 
completely apart from her old life yeah. going forward. Well, that and also, um, I remember having fantasies that whenever I was in college, like I pictured it as a bunch of like cool intellectual kids talking about music <laughs> and movies and politics. And instead, my my roommate really liked NSYNC. Like it was not at all like what I expected. It is so much more childish than you ever imagined <laughs> when you go really to the dorm. Is. Yeah, I thought I, like my first couple weeks, I would uh, take the book I was reading, go sit out in the quad and just <laughs> wait for people to come and hang out with me. Yeah, like they'd be like, oh, you're reading Lolita? I love Lolita. Yeah, Let's talk exactly. about it. I'm Never sitting under happened. the tree reading Catcher in the Rye, man. <laughs> And instead, I realized I went to Evangel University and everyone was a fucking dumbass. Yeah. I remember, like, after film class, like, approaching people to talk to them, like, yeah, I really like Darren Aronofsky. And they just look at me like I was insane and walk away. And I was like, okay, well, maybe that's not how. Okay, weirdo. What, what I would get is if I would talk to someone about something, they would say, what's that rated? <laughs> oh, okay. Because if it, if it was R, no, 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 they would not be watching that. Right. No, definitely not. Oh, Joshua, there's one more thing I want you to do. Is it? Um, at the I, I beginning just, of the book, there's an epigraph. Can you read it? Here's another thing they did in my dorm, though. Uh, yes. There was one guy who would quote all of Zoolander, and everyone would uh, just watch him do it. Oh, my God. Like from start to finish? Oh. Pretty much. That's amazing. That's like oh, yeah. Billy First Madison laugh of the book is this epigraph. <laughs> yeah. She meant you no harm. Red Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> <laughs> That's Let's from the go. hit song "Breaking the Girl." Okay. Yeah. So you can end the podcast with fading into that. All right. Let's yeah. kill some more music. So uh, yeah, I for, I forget that they they were of that era. Yeah, I mean that was now more that they're the, a legacy band. That was their Blood Sugar Sex Magic era. That was a good era for them. If if you were a a Peppers fan i don't think i the only album of theirs i remember owning was californication which i think was the album everyone hated but. no I've, uh, that's the only one i owned blake I loved will there it. It ever so be catchy. a discography red hot chili peppers <laughs> i think it please i've talked about that album um on that show because i was into it uh, as a yeah. 14 Same. year old uh it sold I was 17 like or 18 yeah. i was 20 billion copies yeah i loved I loved uh, that, and I also had "By the Way," which I thought was good. Um, Blood Sugar Sex Magic was maybe just a little bit before my alt discovery, but I also knew all those songs because they were all singles that were on the radio constantly. So, yeah, okay, yeah. Well, we're not talking about the Chili Peppers. Sorry. Well, it was part of the book, Blake. Okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. Blake. I yeah. I stand corrected. Now we have to re read or rediscuss this book through the lens uh-huh. of that quote. Okay. And how that's what I was. That's what I wanted to do. Let's, Why you let's go hit up everything. Um, but yeah, I liked that book a lot. I think um, I I did feel a little uncomfortable with uh, the fact that she was effing this dude uh, who was much older than her. But I don't I think know. that we're not supposed to not feel uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I one thing, one thing I I liked about the way that the book was written was it did feel like there's no no lessons that were you know what I mean. It's not being written as a lesson kind of book, mm-hmm. and everything is just presented from her in her voice, matter of factly. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. when she talks about when she's describing the sense of our father's poster that's hung up at school, 
she says some Vietnamese guy was shooting another Vietnamese guy in the head. <laughs> like she, anytime she talks about race, it's always like that. Like there were some black guys, and they mm-hmm. were scary to me. You know that kind of thing, <laughs> where it felt very authentic to someone that age talking about something like some gay guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it does feel authentic, and also feels authentic for like her class. Like she lives in probably a very white, rich area. Yes. You know? Which which she comments on it, it, toward the end is like, yeah, maybe I was racist when I was freaking out, and that's kind of shitty. Where I feel like the Nelson is is conscious of that, but the mm-hmm. character isn't usually when she writes in that voice. Or mm-hmm. do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I get you. I I enjoyed it. Um, it was hard for me to keep characters straight, but I yes. felt that that was very authentic to. Um, being a teenager and just having a lot of there's so many people around your life yeah. yeah especially if you're a popular scene kid I mean <laughs> I was never a popular scene kid but I'm sure that's what it's like and just so many characters from different aspects of your life interacting in in the book you know what I mean like she's mm-hmm. got these friends and there's no explanation of it's this person from this thing who's related to me in this way, you just kind of have to remember. <laughs> so it's yeah. like this actual 16, 17, 18-year-old girl is telling you this. Yeah, I thought actually I thought the voice was was pretty good and spot on. And also it's written in that style that I loved as a teenager, which is very Brett Easton Ellisy, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. If if I'd had this book as a teenager, I probably would have loved, loved, loved it. But I didn't read it until I was, you know, a 39-year-old adult. Can I complain about the cover? Yes. She should be wearing the cow dress. Yeah, she should be wearing the cow dress. It's but too important. Someone probably brought in a mock-up of that for the cover, and they're like, absolutely fucking <laughs> not. <laughs> yeah, there were some actually really good outfits that were described in this book, but we just couldn't couldn't get into that much detail, you know? But I think my favorite might be Sybil's butt rock t-shirt. Butt rock. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's what, pretty good. What is, what is that shirt trying to get across? I mean, it's just wearing a. I mean, someone could wear that shirt now. It just says butt rock. It's sure. Yeah. It's I guess just, it's funny, but she's I. She's wearing an irony shirt. Yeah. She's shit posting okay. on her shirt on her, on her chest. On her body. We used to have yeah. to shit post with our That's t-shirts. True. Remember, I had a quite a big ironic t-shirt collection, yeah, including too. a Jesus is my homeboy t-shirt that oh, I bought boy. at Urban Outfitters. Uh, <laughs> I always hated those shirts. Mm-hmm. My brother would just. Buy a pack of white T-shirts and make his own uh, <laughs> own right slogans on them that way. Right, mm-hmm. the original posts. A classic. <laughs> the original. <laughs> that was a tweet back although, in the day. Although he did have my mother make him a a Beck loser shirt that she said loser, and oh. she she didn't want to do it because you're not a loser. Oh, but that's. But still made boy. it. So. Oh wow. That's a cool mom. Uh, let's see. Hey, she's not that cool. She made me duck in the car. Well, okay. <laughs> Embarrassed. Embarrassed by your Maybe too cool, actually, By your for me. skinhead. Did you tell us how many hooks? Well, I was going to look and see what Goodreads, the average rating for this on Goodreads is. Uh, uh, I saw some real bird-brained reviews on there. It's 3.74 stars. <laughs> Diana rated it one star and said, I wanted to use Girl for a teen book display on music, but found that it was cataloged as adult fiction. Huh? <laughs> what? Okay. Uh, I'm trying to find like a bad review. But there's a lot of reviews. There's like 6,000. So huh? just go out here and, and peruse this book. Uh, Taylor rated it three stars and said, I read an interview with the author of this novel, and he seemed like a pretty cool guy, so I picked up this book. 
Um, but yeah. Oh yeah, this is this is the one star view you started reading is the one that I think I read that was annoyed by. Oh, it's a long review. Okay. Now I. Uh, well, no adult could ever enjoy reading this book. It does contain a lot of graphic sex. So much, in fact, that it struck me as unrealistic. Did normal teenagers in the 90s have sex? Graphic sex? <laughs> graphic. Graphic. Yes, graphic sex. Honestly, in I'm more surprised Look, I'm putting my was... penis in a vagina, but I'm doing it in a way that's not <laughs> graphically described. Cover Did normal teenagers in the 90s have sex so, have so much graphic sex with so many different people and take it so lightly? Jeez. This person was a loser. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is, anytime you see people, did people used to do sex? They knew about it back then? People are so idiotic about Hold on. Yeah. Her last paragraph is, I would not recommend this piece of crap to anyone unless they are under the age of 18 and interested in reading about frozen yogurt or graphic sex. She really <laughs> hates the references to frozen yogurt. Froyo and graphic sex are the two biggest crimes. Yeah. And then someone commented, I loved your review. It was amazing. And I totally agree with you about the book. And I'm 14. So it's not just adults that find it stupid. <laughs> An adult wrote that. <laughs> and I'm 14. Says the 44-year-old. Yeah, someone on here does go through and say, you're wrong, but I'm not going to Man, they're popping uh, off uh, in the uh, chat on Goodreads. One star. Picked out a book titled Girl, written by a man. I probably should have <laughs> realized what I was getting myself into. Nice. I will say she is very, 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 very casual about sex. I've never yeah. n- known a girl in my life who is just like, on a first date, straddling someone in the car and pulling down her underwear. Like, no wonder why that guy was so surprised when she did it. Um, yeah. I, I honestly don't. Like, I know friends who dated people for months before they, they had sex and stuff. But that's probably just a different location. I lived in fucking Marshfield Mo. I didn't live in a big city. where <laughs> I have known both types and... of ladies. Uh, this book, yep. <laughs> this book is... They're out there. Yeah. That young, though? At yes. 15, 16? Yeah. Yes! I was the... Chased young man trying to get away from them. What was wrong with you? Josh was the. Uh, <laughs> Why were you taking Josh up was the, on no, it? No, thank you. Mm, yeah, I was uh, brainwashed by church. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Same. <laughs> mm-hmm. So maybe that's. No one difference. wanted me. That was my deal. <laughs> oh, that too. That was also my deal. This book is so unrealistic on so many different levels. The first of which our main character meets her love interest casually. Well, well how else do you what? meet a love interest? Uh, I guess this person thought on Tinder. Uh, Second, these teenagers have seemingly no supervision. Uh, Teenage that tracks though. uh, There's plenty of drug use, alcohol, etc., and the parents never really seem to care. The parents don't know. Plenty of kids have sex, do drugs, and drink. This Mm -hmm. person didn't have a childhood or just an extremely sheltered one, I guess. Or just likes to live in denial because they're an adult with teenagers and they don't want to think that their kids are doing <laughs> My kids shit. aren't yes. doing any of this. Yeah. And that's exactly how my mom got through my... I mean, I'm yeah. sure I came all home of, smelling like cigarettes our, our all parents the time. Were, I came smelling like weed. Our parents were in denial. Yes. Totally sure. in denial about that. There's no way my baby would ever smoke a cigarette or drink a beer yep. or drink so much tequila that she spends all night vomiting. Anyway... Doesn't One star, matter. even Gossip Girl is better written than this. Wow. I've never read a Gossip Girl, but I'm going to say that's Harsh. wrong. That's right not up. true at all. <laughs> so I'm going to give it four hooves. I'm giving mm. the movie mm, like half a hoof. <laughs> 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 it was not, not a good adaptation. Also, I just feel like no one's heart was really in it from 
everyone from the songwriters to the to the performances. Except maybe Selma Blair. She was doing a good uh, Selma Blair. I think Dominique Swain did her best. She she was fine in the movie. Didn't have a, anything to work with. I mean, with. there's nothing to work with. Yeah. Although Blake Nelson co-wrote the screenplay, I thought. So, I don't know. Probably a lot of it ended up just being hacked away to pieces and changed, you know, after studio input and that yeah. kind of thing. Once Harvey Weinstein got his mitts mm. on it. Was it a, it was a Miramax, no, wasn't no, it? No, 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 no. No, it wasn't? Okay. <laughs> That'd be funny. I was like, was it? Because it seems so cheap no, and bad. Honestly, this seems like something that they probably tried to get into Sundance. <laughs> didn't make it. Didn't get selected. Slamdance didn't want it either, so they just Aww. plopped it out on video. Yeah, did we talk about this uh, being, is this confirmed straight to video? I oh, looked I- the the, there's no box office mojo numbers for it, okay. so it didn't get released in theaters. The French release date is earlier, so it may have played in French theaters. They probably <laughs> loved her from Lolita. They're absolutely, you know, they're they probably did. like, "Hey, hey, sickos!" Uh, yeah, I saw no advertisements for that movie, and I, I was, I was plugged into movies in the year 1999. In lived a big way. in video stores. You know right. what I mean? Oh like, yeah, I was always. I in know boxes uh, of, of of shit. Never saw. I worked this. in a video store in 1999. I never saw this come through. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, this movie was just completely below. Mm-hmm. I think everyone's radar, except maybe avid readers of the book at the time who maybe were like, "Ooh, it's finally adapted." Maybe it mostly just played on cable. You know, like on maybe. just to fill something on. Maybe no one ever watched it ever. <laughs> maybe yeah. it's maybe an IMDb TV original until Amazon Prime. Yeah. <laughs> well, I would, uh, Joshua. What 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 is your review? Oh, uh, I gave the book four. I give the movie two. <laughs> oh. oh, wow. I was. I, was I enjoyed say... watching the movie. I will say that, like, having just finished the book, the movie is not good. It's not mm-hmm. entertaining, but I was I was enjoying myself while I watched it. From I mean, a, it was so What bad. are they doing? Yeah. yeah. Like, that's what I was kind of doing, because, yeah. I was... mean, just mostly being appalled by the music. The, <laughs> the music the, was the most what the, the fuck casting. is going on. Ska yeah. is not authentic. <laughs> uh, the are a bad a, ska band. So. Why was she at a, a, a Power Man 5000 show? Yeah, why was, was that part of that? the Portland scene? I don't know. Yeah. Um, I I was drifting off a lot. It was hard for me to pay attention. I'll, I'll it's get like 85 movie. minutes. <laughs> I, that That's not a good sign that I was kind of drifting off. That and I... Do you feel like the... Because she didn't really hang out like because it shows her in the movie hanging out with like i want to say like um like the portland homeless population yeah who, like, yeah yeah live under, yeah like, like all the scene kids are hanging out under the bridge yeah. like that wasn't in the book though really right they were just at clubs or record stores or you know antique stores like she never i mean she would go outside and smoke cigarettes and do that kind of thing but she never talked about hanging out like with homeless they kids, would they would not which, Yes, they would. It kind of seemed like when during that scene when they're like, you know, gay guys, yeah. uh, it made it for a second. I was like, are they homeless? <laughs> because they I were thought, hanging out there too. Yeah, I thought. Maybe I thought they, they were because they woke up there because she was. Yeah. Oh, maybe they sitting were. on okay. like a couch there, and also Todd did too. Yeah, yeah like it was in, weird. in the movie. Are... It just seemed like these were street kids. Yeah. In a yeah. way, they absolutely were not street kids. But do you think that he was trying to portray, because Portland does have a huge, like, homeless teen yeah. demographic, mm-hmm. like, very big. But also, like, um, didn't Gus, what was the movie with, um, shit, was it uh, My Own Private Idaho, where there's all, like, the, he's, 
aren't he and River Phoenix like homeless and living on the streets and like in, motorcycling around in Portland or something? But there's like a, I thought I can't remember. It's been so long since I've seen it, but I thought there was like a stuff that was filmed like in kind of encampments like that in that movie. Um, Possibly. I mean, so I wonder that, if it was like an homage to the, kid, the scene kids in the book are like. No, I mean they yeah. probably all come from upper class homes. I mean, our- even like when we see Todd in his loft that he is mooching off of his sister in the in mm-hmm. the movie, like it's nice. He's made a little pigsty of his fucking mattress on the floor <laughs> with like empty yeah. wine bottles and like Burger King wrappers or whatever around it. But mm-hmm. uh, that place now, a developer has cleaned it up a little, and it's six thousand dollars from yep. under. Yeah, you know it, or you can buy it for like four million or whatever. Yeah. I don't know what apartment sell for. Um, anyway, I'll give the movie one hoof. <laughs> <laughs> Brutal! Wow, I'm the worst. Not, I said half. Just a gave hoof. it less. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It just didn't do a lot for me, guys. Sorry. You, also, you I was disappointed. Like I didn't see any bells in his hair. He didn't mm, have an nope. undercut. Needed more bells and beads. No beads. Nothing. It wasn't as cool in 1998 or it whatever. It definitely wasn't. So uh, our next bonus episode is on Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. And in that movie, our main character gets in a financial pickle. So I picked another book that I thought, I've never read this, but it's about a character who also gets in a wow. financial is, is pickle. Is this because it's tax month in April? <laughs> sure, why yeah, not? Sure. Yeah, sure. Yeah. This is called Credit Card Carol. It's by what Sheila Solomon Class. <laughs> like, do you want to read the back for us? Why? Uh, I, I'm just baffled at why this you is a young adult book. You it's a young adult book. Credit Card Carol. Uh-huh. Don't get credit cards why? if you can help it, listeners. <laughs> Definitely don't. It oh sucks. no, they've ruined my life. Yep. Yeah. Um, by Sheila Solomon Class. If you didn't know, she's the author of a book called Page Four. So, didn't know. I shop therefore I am. <laughs> on the back. That's Carol Warren's slogan until her father drops a bombshell. He's giving up his successful dentistry practice to pursue his first love, <laughs> acting. Now Carol must give up her first love, shopping. Carol's parents expect the whole family to pitch in and tighten their belts. After an agonizing credit card cutting ritual, Carol must face her new life without Saturday shopping sprees at the mall. Mm-hmm. The new change in status also cuts down on her special... On her social life, since Carol must take a part-time job, Carol keeps wondering if her parents realize how much her father's dreams have wrecked her life. Money has always br- bought her happiness, but how will she find it now? Mm. Hmm. Guess we'll have to find out next month. I don't know why you pick books we already know are going to suck. Or maybe not. Maybe it'll be... This could be funny. It could be a yeah. funny book. I'm not looking to it for any kind uh, of Blake, uh, enlightenment. How much? How many... What episode number is this? Uh, 54. 54. I would say nine of the books have been good at the most. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. YA was a totally different... I think uh, we got to shift to all bangers. <laughs> uh, Hey, oops, sometimes all the really bangers. bad ones are well, fun it's, to talk this about. This is an oops, all duds uh, <laughs> <laughs> As well, long as it's not the, the Zodiac Club or VC Andrews, I'm, I'm happy. I, th- I think I'm banning both of those for, for, now, for now. Thank you. All right, we got to wrap it up. All right. So Way next time, 10. Credit Card Carol. Uh, follow us on Instagram. <laughs> we are at Are You There Pod. <laughs> follow us on Twitter. We are at Jimmy Goosebumps. Um, if you want cool bonus content, 
like us talking about Risky Business, which should drop very and soon. And other movies. And other teen classics. Teen Support our Patreon. Patreon.com slash AreYouTherePod. That's right. $5 a month gets you all the bonus ups. Starting at $5 a month. And a cool sticker designed by our friend Katie, a.k.a. The Haunted Outfit, on Instagram. Um, is there anything I'm forgetting? I don't think so. Josh, you want to plug anything? Uh, read Boy by Blake Nelson. I think we should do that sometime. Though. Someday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And watch Boyhood. <laughs> yeah, don't. <laughs> <laughs> or down, or down. And okay. watch some movies with Tim Blake Nelson. Yeah, you can see his dong if you want and something. I forget. Was it O? I don't know. No. <laughs> Wait, did he direct that? He directed that? O, yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. All right. So until next time, see you later, horse girls. Yeah.